Pastor Dwight is going to come and, and share his heart in just a moment. Before he does, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5. This is out of the, the Passion Translation. And I appreciate Pastor Dwight uh, make, printing this in such large print. The older I get, the more I appreciate large print. One day, Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up the slope of a hill and he sat down. With his followers and disciples spread over the hillside, Jesus began to teach them. What wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no change, or there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness. For you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied are you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your, our, your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How blessed you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the, the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult you and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. For you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. Your light, or your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others, so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them, and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Let's pray for Pastor Dwight as he comes. Lord, we, we thank you for Pastor Dwight. We receive him as your messenger. And this morning we ask that you would just anoint him in your power, God, to elevate the teaching and preaching gift in him. And Lord, that, that you would really bless us through him. Holy Spirit, speak to us uh, as if... You are speaking as Dwight is preaching. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Thank you for reading um, that beautiful translation. Oh, yeah. We're going to release the children. almost forgot. Dennis is taking the kids today. All right. And uh, we've got a little Bible story about the nativity that we're going to be doing. So, yeah. Wonderful. It's an incredible passage, really, Matthew chapter 5. You know, Jesus was such, he has a, such a different approach to teaching. Um, if you went to a motivational speaker today, you'd hear a lot of these same words, delight and how to enrich yourself, how to be satisfied, how to have bliss in your experience, how to be blessed, uh, how to experience the realm of uh, the higher kingdom, how ecstatic you can be, uh, how you can uh, perhaps even leap for joy uh, and be glad when uh, facing difficulty, misunderstanding or rejection. But 
Jesus didn't talk like a motivational speaker. Um, I'm, I'm more used to hearing a lecture where, you know, point one, point two, uh, and as a teacher, you know, I have usually some very specific things that when I'm in, uh, teaching my class, you know, I want them, okay, here's, here's what we got to work on today. Here's what I want you to get out of today. When we're finished, I want you to be able to do this. Jesus talked, this Sermon on the Mount uses such picturesque uh, language and such such images, and Jesus had a way of teaching using stories and and comparisons, metaphors, so that the Holy Spirit could take the words that He was speaking and could infiltrate our hearts and our minds and and create pictures in our minds and enable us to remember even if we didn't have the exact kind of understanding that we might get from a from a three-point lecture or uh the the um the step one step two step three how to be happy how to make your your uh, the people around you happy um that's not the way jesus taught but the fruit of his teaching transformed people's lives around him and has transformed the entire world. So this morning, we are again looking at this beautiful chapter 5 in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus had all of these uh, groups of people that had come to him and following him, listening to his word. And he, he ascended up the mountain, had his disciples, his closest followers, closest to him. And he began to impart to them, this is what it means to be light in the world. I am come as the light of the world, as the word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. But I want to explain to you guys, because if you don't have it, you can't give it. We cannot pass on to others what we possess. Uh, Bob Mumford used to say, you might want to give people the measles, but if what you have is the mumps, that's what they're going to get. Of course, nobody would want to give anybody the measles. Uh, that was, uh, I'm sure he had a different, he said it differently than that. <laughs> you want to, but you, you cannot give what you do not possess. So the question is, do, do we possess the kingdom of God? This chapter and chapter six and seven it opens up to us what it means to to be aligned with the will of God in such a way that our innate tendency toward rebellion you know um, I'm, I'm not going to do it um, or resentment why do I have to or independence I'll do it my way maybe I'll maybe I will do it but I'll do it my way that 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 those three tendencies in us to 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 rebel to resist or or to to resent to say you know um, to look at somebody else and say, well, look, they're not doing it. Why should I? Or, or look how unfair you are to require this of us. And, and, and so we, we have resentment uh, towards God's very goodness and towards his word to us. And it's in there. Don't, don't tell me you never feel that way. <laughs> I was, I was, dealing with that a little bit last night as I, as I was uh, reading the scripture and, and the promises of God and, you know, um, wealth and delight and blessing, being enriched, satisfied, bliss, blessed, enriched. This is the Passion Translations, but listen, it doesn't matter what translation you read it in, that, that the, the words of Jesus are confronting in us the lack of joy, the lack of peace, the lack of, of humility, brokenness, the, the lack of flexibility, that when life doesn't treat us the way we want to treat, how we respond. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, look, you want to be like me. You're following me. 
and that's what a disciple is. You want to have my way of responding. So Jesus's life was aligned with the will of God. He said, I always do that which pleases God. I only do those things which I see in the Father's presence. I only speak that which I hear from the Father. So Jesus was aligned with the will of God. And, and if, if, if this is the line of God's will, you know, my, my will tends to go, you know, kind of like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like the Mississippi River changes its banks and goes over here and then goes over there and goes over there. Well, um, the God, Jesus was saying, okay, we want to we begin in you the process of bringing you more into a line so that as you progressively grow in faith and in the knowledge of the, by the Holy Spirit in you, you become more like me and people will see my light in you. People will see my word of flesh in you. The way we are uh, celebrating the word made flesh coming to us and the candles today. So, um, let's pray and ask God to help us today. Again, I'd like to pray. Thank you. Uh, Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus, for sending your word. Jesus, thank you for your way of teaching and imparting life. Uh, Lord, we want to be more aligned with you. We want to have the will to be aligned in you uh, because as Paul wrote, it, it is God who works in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. So Lord, help us to desire to be father pleasers, to be father pleasers, to be aligned with you. Lord, not only being with you, but becoming like you, to be in you in order that we might do that which you are doing and have done in Jesus' name, amen. 300 years ago, Isaac Watts published a collection of poems based on the Psalms in his own words. We sang one of them today. It was not intended to be a Christmas song, but it has become one of the favorites. You guess what it is? It was based on Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm have worked for him. The Lord has made known his salvation and revealed his righteousness to the nations. All right, you know which one it is now. He's remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation. Got it? Which one is it? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Now, um, <laughs> Does it prompt joy in our hearts to think of being judged? <laughs> well, when we have received the kingdom and are walking in progressive alignment with him by the help of his Holy Spirit and his grace, then I'm not living under the, the law of, am I doing right, am I doing wrong? Oh, I'm doing wrong, I'm bad. Uh, are they doing right or are they doing wrong? Oh, they're doing wrong. They're bad. And living in that, in that polarity of right and wrong and, you know, one-upsmanship and comparison and score. I talk about it all the time. I, we, 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 we emphasize it a lot because we live in a world that's always keeping score. 
Keeping score is fine when it's the, the ball game, all right? Who wants to go to a ball game where there's no score? Can you imagine that? <laughs> well, it was like the Army-Navy game yesterday. You couldn't even see the scoreboard <laughs> for the fog on the, on the field. Well, we, we, we don't want to keep score on ourselves, on others, or on God. We, we want to be free and, and yet, then when judgment comes, we have no fear. There's no fear in being judged. I'm not afraid. Um, I know that I sin and I ask God and he forgives me through Jesus Christ. And he's gradually helping me to align more and more. Sometimes I feel like I'm really down here like the, you know, he makes the, le- he makes the, the, the valleys, right? He raises up, he fills in the valleys and he, he lowers the mountains and he straightens the crooked. That's the picture that Isaiah had for the work of Messiah in, in us. Uh, John the Baptist was proclaiming, he'll, he'll, he'll fill up the places of despair and discouragement and despondency. He'll, he'll level the places of self-importance and independence and pride and rebellion and resisting, and he will straighten the crooked places in us. Well, that's what Psalm 98 really was about. It's really what Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 are, are about. So there, can be, there doesn't have to be a fear or a dread in judgment, but there can truly be rejoicing. So uh, today I want to talk a little bit about joy. It is Gaudete Sunday. That's the Latin word for the imperative, the command. Be joyful. Make yourself happy. I have a couple of questions for you. Can you make yourself happy? <laughs> Temporarily. <laughs> good question. Good answer. Um, you know, we, we have a saying, no one can make you angry. No one can make you happy. Those are choices. Those are emotions. And that, that you, when you say, you make me so angry, you are empowering somebody else to have control over your choices. And um, on the other hand, we have power to make ourselves choose righteousness, peace, and joy, right? Love, joy, peace, generous kindness. We can choose joy. So can we make ourselves happy? I like that temporarily. That's a great answer. Um, <clears throat> we, we know that there is, is value in helping to cheer others up, right? And in being cheerful. A merry heart does good like medicine, right? Um, we have past memories of happy times. Those are good to remember. We have present moments uh, where something just delights us, like uh, the, the newborn, the child, the baby, the little toddler, just, just delights us. <laughs> uh, um, uh, there, are, there are things we look forward to with a future expectation of, of happiness or bliss or joy. Um, I know the kids um, at school were looking forward to snow, even though they don't get a snow day. <laughs> but, they were, but they were looking forward to snow. They go out and play in it. And, um, so so the, the, we, we, could, we could think about memories and we can... Um, notice small things right now around us that will help us to feel happy and and we can look forward the church historically has looked forward to the new heaven and the new earth and and that's why the psalmist could say 
rejoice, shout for joy to the Lord. His righteousness will fill the nations. You could say, as we've been saying, the light of God will cover the face of the earth. The scripture says the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Well, that's the way the light is. It covers like water. It covers the earth. So uh, the psalmist is saying, rejoice now. Mary said, my soul rejoices in the Lord. My spirit um, has rejoiced. My soul rejoiced. My spirit has rejoiced in God the Savior. And she goes on to list things that are going to happen. He brings down the proud and he raises up the poor and he helps the weak. And and, um, John the Baptist I mean, um, um, Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, when he prophesied, did the same thing. They weren't describing present conditions. They were seeing in the Spirit, and that was their source of, of speaking with joy. Now, again, cheering others up, you, you have to be careful singing, um, you know, blessing someone with a loud voice in the morning. It shall, the proverb says it shall be counted a curse. You know, so, um, singing, singing songs to a heavy heart may not be a good idea, but weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. So, so we want to help people. Um, so we got to help ourselves, church. That's what I'm trying to say. We got to help ourselves be happy. We got to help ourselves find the joy of the Lord. And so today I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, there is a very interesting magazine on the counters right now, uh, The Science of Emotions. And again, um, there are many things in here that are uh, very much like uh, truths that Jesus or Proverbs would say. Um, the science of happiness. Happiness is a cornerstone of productivity. Happy people are more productive. On the other hand, another article says grumpy people sometimes um, are more uh, astute about seeing what's wrong and correcting it. So you can be overly cheerful. It's possible to be overly up, trying to be um, happy all the time or expect other people to be happy all the time. That's why we need to weep with people who are weep. They have a page here, eight easy ways to be happy. So let me ask you, what are some of the joy bringers all right, even in this room and at home. Go ahead, think through. How many can you think of right, right now? What would make you happy, even temporarily? What are some joy bringers? Singing. I'm sorry? Christmas lights. Hugs. Yeah, we're hug deprived right now. What else? Coffee. <laughs> Coffee. What else? What? Cooking. <clears throat> Fast car. <laughs> Friends. Friends. Video games. Oh, okay. All right. So um, different strokes for different folks, as the saying goes. Some, some things would make you happy that would not be interesting to somebody else. But So there are joy bringers. One of the things that the articles point out is um, if you chase after happiness, it becomes more elusive. They did studies like they would, they would show people um, um, information or a short video on how to be happy, what happy people are like, and then they would sh- uh, show them and a control group over here, a group that they didn't do any priming for, and they would then show them something where people were in a, in a, a short video or story where people experienced happiness. And the people who went through the 
the, um, the priming, so to speak. Here's what to look for in somebody being happy. Here's how to make yourself happy. They, they did not enjoy the video about the story of people being happy. They didn't enjoy it as much as the people who had no, no prior thought about it. In other words, if you work too hard at it, you're probably not going to be happy. But if you notice small things along the way, you're probably going to be more happy. So, so they say things like, well, remember you know, how, where you've come from, how the progress that you've made. That's one. Don't dwell on past failures and, and uh, mistakes. Uh, um, spread the wealth. Share. Give to others. Eat a snack around 2 p.m. <laughs> uh, get a move on. Exercise. Um, don't, don't when, you know, the, the, how many different permutations are there when you go to a coffee house I mean you know uh, all the different choices up here there's probably hundreds of different choices you can you can you're gonna have just limit your choices just know what you like like what you know um, and uh, start baking there you go make your bed this was really interesting to me people who make their bed have more a sense of order and peace and, and so when they walk back into the room, it's like setting the table for, you know, you have a special time coming up, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, a special meal. You set the table, not at the last minute. You set the table as much in advance as you can, the day before, or you, you have a table that is set for a guest that's going to be coming. It, and so looking for the little things that, um, that you can notice and make a difference. There is the... Research shows that the most productive thing that contributes to happiness is probably exercise and sunshine. So there you go. Sorry, all you people who live in the, you know, places like I used to live in Toledo that that only has about 70 days of sunshine a year. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Wow. Um, But anyway, uh, I'm glad for the sun here in Oklahoma. All right. So uh, again... Um, there are many blessings and um, helps about being joyful and many ways to be joyful. So um, we talked a little bit about joy bringers. Anything else come to mind that we didn't say you want to mention? Reading a good book. Contentment. Good. How about when a friend uh, realizes that you're in need and they drop something off at your house? Isn't that wonderful? Like food. That is truly wonderful. <laughs> we experienced that recently when we were dealing with the CD virus at our house. What a blessing it was. And you know, the thing about that was it wasn't just a blessing them and the surprise to look and, and see the food, but, you know, a little bit now for breakfast or supper, you know, the next day, the next day it just goes on. So um, that, that is a special way, too, to uh, cultivate happiness is is to remember and continue to enjoy something that has been given to you. All right, so uh, what about the Scripture? Are you thinking about verses in the Scripture about joy? Mm -hmm. Yeah? We've heard a number of them today. Psalm 98, Isaiah 61, um, uh, Matthew chapter 5 was full of those amazing pictures of contentment, bliss, being ecstatic, joy, happiness. What, what comes to mind? Any other scriptures? I, I put in the, in the concordance in my phone, happy is he, and just looked, looked at the verses. Look up joy. Do a word study in the Bible of joy. <laughs> you will 
feel the blessing of joy, the desire for joy, probably feel the lack of joy. You see, Advent is a time when we don't take for granted joy. This week, the third Sunday in Advent, is a time to make ourselves be conscious of the reasons for being joyful in the midst of these other three candles, which are penitence and repentance and crying out, I need, we need you, O God. The world needs you, Lord Jesus. Our nation needs you. Our city needs you. People in our church need you. Come, O Lord, rend the heavens. Come down, O God. This is some of the cries of Advent and today's scripture from Isaiah 61, which the Walsh family uh, used in in the liturgy today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So there's some keys in the scripture that can help us. Here's just three. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Is God your help? I've told this story before, but one time I was walking between two buildings at at, um, at the uh, church property where I was employed before coming here to Oklahoma, and, and things were not going well. I was having trouble, and I was saying, oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, help me, Jesus. And I, <laughs> clear as day, in my mind or heart, I felt the Lord interrupt me and say, I have been helping you. Think how bad it would be if I wasn't. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My whole attitude changed immediately. Thank you, Jesus. You know, one thing I try never to catch myself saying, what's going to happen next when something's bad? You know, never, never get into that expectation. How bad can it get? I knew this was going to happen. He never, never talked that way. But happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. He's our hope, or Proverbs 14, 21. He who despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Isn't that true, Susie? Sharing with those in need, remembering, helping, taking food to somebody in need, sending a card, making a call, uh, visiting somebody, especially at this time. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, where there's no vision, where they have no sense of purpose where they have no meaning in their life. What's left? Just hedonism and addictions and and temporary pleasures and the love of the world. But happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who is aligning, progressively coming into more alignment with God's will. Happy, happy is he. Now, those are joy bringers. How about joy stealers? Because if you're going to have joy more than just a temporary fleeting experience. You're going to have to deal with the joy stealers, these thieves that come in and take away your happiness and drain away your bliss. They, they steal your, your expectation, your hope, your trust, your confidence, your faith. What are the things that drain out away, like taking the plug out of the tub? Depression. Unforgiveness. Comparisons. Dwelling in the past idolatry, setting things up and looking to them to make you happy. Anything else come to mind? Is weakness a joy stealer? It can be, but does it have to be? 
Not if you believe what Jesus said in, the, in Matthew chapter 5. How about poverty? Is that a joy stealer? You know, research on happiness. Some of the happiest people in the world are among the poorest cultures. There are some specific reasons why they're happy, and it has nothing to do with how much they have or how little. How about um, not mourning over our sins? Not mourning, not repenting, not being broken is a joy stealer because I never enter into the joy of forgiveness, of salvation. Isaiah 61.10, he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and joy. Or Isaiah 61, verse 1, 2, and 3, I'm, uh, the, Jesus said, the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. His joy, his ecstasy in God was bringing the good news of his kingdom to others. We can experience that. Perhaps you have experienced the joy of heaven and angels rejoicing when one uh, who is a prodigal, one who is lost, comes to the Lord and you've had the opportunity to be part of that experience. Does suffering and pain, is that a joy stealer? It doesn't have to be, does it? Do you know anybody who suffers a lot of physical pain, has a lot of difficulty or trouble in their life, but yet still has a, has a serenity, a, a peace, a joy? Do you know anybody like that? I can think of a few. It's not about what happens to you, is it? Not really. Um, how about being alone? Is being alone a joy stealer? Loneliness is a joy stealer. But being alone isn't necessarily a joy stealer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, you need to know how to spend the day alone in order to really know how to spend the day together. And you need to know how to spend the day together with others in order to know how to spend the day alone. So there's something about being alone, solitude, silence, stillness, advent that is healthy for us. Okay, sin, rebellion, resentment, and independence we talked about. How about our ego, my pride? Knowledge puffs up. I want to know, I want to know so that I'm, I have control. My internal expert. You ever talk with somebody who has a, their internal expert is smarter than everybody else around them? <laughs> you know, you, you make a suggestion or you offer something and they've got an answer. You know, they, they've got it figured out. Well, they probably do not have much joy. Um, uh, unsubmitted uh, will. Okay, holding grudges, unforgiveness, keeping records wrong. We talked about all that. All of those things disconnect us from the true source of light and life. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So we talked about joy bringers and joy stealers. How about fear? Is that a joy stealer? Absolutely. Fear is. Pride, shame, um, demands and expectations. Be careful of expectations. Well, you know, there's a certain amount of expectations out there. The new year, the new president, the new thing. But be very careful because that does not mean that you're going to be happier. 
Uh, expectations can bite. Attachments, idolatry, uh, Pastor Nick said, attachments, the love of things or people above God or for my own sake rather than loving things for God's sake. Being able to delight in something simply because God made it, God created it. Um, it's a reflection of his grace. Um, fighting, selfishness, etc. judging, all right, all those things. Okay, so joy stealers, joy bringers. Guilt is a joy stealer, right? It's hard to have joy when you have guilt, when you're laboring under shame. But there's an answer to that. There's hope. There is forgiveness and there is his righteousness. He comes to make the wonders of his righteousness known to all nations. He makes it known in you. So joy stealers, we have to acknowledge and deal with. We have to fight them. And sometimes we just have to accept that I don't have to feel happy right now. I don't have to make somebody happy. There is an integration of pain and suffering and unhappiness that is important. Again, melancholic-oriented people make some of the best accountants, right? They make some very uh, uh, helpful balance in life. And so there are times some of the most creative people have some melancholic tendencies. Those are, can be very important. I've found some of the most creative times in my life is when I was um, on the verge of depression and I could either just go and be depressed or I could release and express and integrate the negative feelings into something positive that can be productive. So integrate feelings of sadness. Integrate them into your life as part of the desolation that comes because knowing that consolation also will come. Desolation comes, remember consolation. And in consolation, remember, desolation will come. Don't, don't fear it any more than you would fear judgment. Just know that it comes and you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I've talked to several people this week and, and even called them and asked, how are you doing? Uh, this time is difficult. Almost every day you hear about somebody who's very sick or dying. I've had a student from last year whose father died um, within the past week from COVID. It's 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 a very difficult time, so we don't want to we don't want to be superficial, um, or you know unreal. But again, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus laid out to his disciples: here is how to align yourselves with God's will. And so we're going to be spending more time as we go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, how to be light and how to be salt to preserve and to shine. Remember that Jesus, again, is the one who comes within us to help us. He doesn't stand afar off waiting for us to try to get there. He's the prime unmoved mover. He's the source of all life. He's your source. He's your enabler. He's your source of grace. He's the one who moves within you by his love. Dennis Peacock used to take the scripture from Nehemiah, the old song, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We used to sing it and be happy and, you know, try to make ourselves believe 
that we had the, the joy of the Lord in us. But he would change it a little bit, and he would say, when I do what makes him happy, I'm strong. How about that? When I do what makes him happy. And, and these scriptures in Matthew that talk about persecution and mistreatment. And I just want to read to you this story in closing. Why we need not be terrified of death and suffering. This is a testimony from one of the Vietnam martyrs. He was imprisoned for many years and tortured and suffered horribly. But he wrote this. Jesus' life culminated with the what's called the Paschal Ministry, the, the presentation of the Passover and him saying, this is my body which is broken for you. And Jesus is present to us. When we celebrate communion in a very special way, it's called a sacrament. The, the, the risen Christ is alive. That's why we sing he is come. By the way, I, I believe... My students always have trouble. They want to sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And they say, well, why is it is? They say, because he's present to you now. He is come right now. We, it, yeah, historically, 2,000 years ago, he came. Someday he's coming again. He's present right now. He is come. This is the Paschal mystery. He's risen from the dead and present to us now. He's shown us the road to reach heaven. He first walked the way to Calvary. He chose no other way to end his earthly work. He came to earth, healed the sick, preached the good news, and founded the church. But above all, he lived for his hour of glorification on the cross. He lived for the hour when he would be lifted up on the cross and draw everyone to himself. And in that hour, he accomplished his work. Like Jesus, we must live for our own hours. Each of us has ours. It's good to live in expectation of those most difficult moments of pain, suffering, and hardship and to offer that as the purposes of God that he has entrusted us to experience. Even if we are in full vigor of physical strength, this is the most beautiful hour. These are the hours of life, not so much of death. This is the hour, the moment of our encounter with Jesus. We will see him in the pain and the suffering and the difficulty. It is there he waits for us. It is with him we will meet um, all the beloved saints, the ones that we love who have gone on before us. They are already there, ready to welcome us in this hour. In the face of death, the complete and definitive detachment from this present life, this martyr felt the duty of celebrating the gift, the fortune, the beauty, and the destiny of this fleeting existence on earth. And he said, Lord, I thank you for having called me to life and still more that in making me a Christian, you have regenerated and destined me for the fullness of life. I feel the church encircles me. The Holy Church, one Catholic and apostolic family of God. I feel the church in the midst of suffering, darkness, and difficulty poverty, mourning, meekness, peacemaking in conflict. 
Jesus is present to us. And the church, witnesses above and militant on earth, is united. Jesus is present. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Amen. Pastor Nick. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.